Hey, bro. Yeah, good to see you guys. Y'all just in for the weekend? Okay, good to see you. We're just going to talk around the room a little bit and see who else I see <laughs> here. Jeff, good to see you today. Yeah, all, every day. Joe. Uh, now I'm going to stop. We're, we're, uh, we're beginning a new series today, and it's called Foundations. And let me just kind of um, help get you started in where we're going and why God has prompted my heart for us to go this direction. You can't go very far in this community without, especially where we live. We live over in the northeast sector of town. You can't go very far without seeing them constructing houses. And you'll see them, they, I mean, it's amazing going down old settlers every day like I do. And uh, to see that what started, they just started clearing some land, and you're wondering what's going to go in there, and then they start cutting streets through. And then they go to work on the individual houses. And, and I'm not a house construction guy. I, I watch it, and some of you are amazing. I think there's a guy in the Scripture, his name's Bezalel. I think he's one of the most overlooked guys in all of Scripture. God gave him the gift of architecture and building. And, and filled, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had that gift. So you that work with your hands with construction... It's the Holy Spirit that does that. I believe that firmly. And uh, so, but when they, when they start to work on the house, they put the forms down, and then it just seems like forever they're working on that foundation and working on that foundation and working on that foundation. It's forever and ever. And then uh, they finally finish, and it's like, bang, 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 the house is done before you know it. And uh, they spent so much time working on that foundation. Foundations are huge, in, not only in construction, but in our lives. What do we build our lives upon? And here's where I'm concerned today. I see a lot of people who uh, claim to be Christ followers, but, the, but they, they're getting their foundation just shaken. They start hearing things. They start hearing false teachings. They just tremble at things. They, things happen in their life, and they fall apart. And I'm just wondering, what are you really built upon? I mean, are you built upon who you are? Are you built, in, built upon what the, what the Scriptures say that we are built upon? And so, uh, and, and, and hear me on this. Storms are going to hit you. It's not a matter of, of if, it's when, right? I mean, there's not a person in this room that hasn't been hit probably this week in some kind of uh, incredible storm that's hit you. But how are you going to respond when that happens? And it, it comes back to your foundation. And, and I see that, that uh, many people are struggling in this area. So I, I really prayed through this and I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know how many weeks we're going to be on this. But we're going to be looking at some key foundational things for us because if, if, if I, as your pastor, am not helping you to have a foundation to work from, I'm failing because I don't, I don't want you to get out there giving in to false teaching, hear what the world has to say, let your worldview crumble because you don't have a foundation. So we want to, we want to look at this. And uh, uh, so we're going, to be, we're going to be looking at this over, over several weeks about foundational issues. And today we're going to talk about, I told the staff this morning when we were praying, I said, I've got 25 minutes to, to define who God is for you. And so that's impossible. You're going to spend a lifetime just getting to know him. But we're going to look at this uh, uh, up front. And I'm always reminded of the, of the, of the little girl who was, took out her, her piece of paper and her crayons and began drawing. And, and uh, her dad goes over to her and says, man, what are you drawing a picture of? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And he says, but nobody knows what God looks like. She said, oh, they will when I'm finished. And I think from the eyes of a child, they see God better than we do. They, they seem to trust until that truster gets broken. And many of you have broken trusters and you have a hard time seeing God. There's an old Chinese proverb about three blind men. And these three blind men, uh, 
wanted to know what an elephant looked like. And, and through their, their impaired vision, they, they would hear about elephants, but they could never see one. And finally, one day, a man with an elephant came, and the three blind men had the opportunity to at least touch the elephant and get a, a concept of what he might be like. And so they go, and the first one is holding on to the front leg, and, the, and he's holding that, that leg and the, the massiveness of that elephant. And he says, oh, God is like a tree without branches. He is like a tree stump. And, and that's the way he viewed it. Another one was on the back end. He, had, he grabbed the tail of the elephant. He said, no, no, no. A, 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 an elephant is like our brush. I can feel it's like a handle in the brush. That is what an elephant was like. The third man was at the front, and he was holding the, the trunk of the elephant. And as he's holding the trunk of it, he said, no, you guys have got it wrong. An elephant is like a snake, and, 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 he, and he's, he's slithery like a snake. You see, each of the men had a concept of the elephant, but it was because of different places where they were at the time. If you ask people about God, what is God like, people will tell you characteristics of God, but they're not sure they've got a well well enough concept to see what He is like as they look at that. And so when, when we look at the Scriptures, I want to first of all tell you this. Old Testament God, New Testament God is the same God. There was one, one little girl when she had kind of came saw the Old Testament God and some of the things that happened there, saw New Testament God, it seemed to be more gracious and merciful. She said, when did God become a Christian? And so, we, but it's the same God, and we want, I want to try to tie this together a little bit. But in the Scriptures, I want, I want, to, I want you to understand some things. We, we go by God's Word, okay? So it's not like Mark is just going to come up with some philosophy of this is who God is and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at God's Word, and that is our foundation for, for who we are. And somebody's going to say, well, I don't, I don't go by the Scripture on that. Well, it's going to be hard to do apples to apples then at that point because this is what we build our trust on is how God has revealed Himself through Scripture. But in the Scriptures, when God would reveal Himself, they would give Him a name. So like Abraham, when Isaac was spared by the ram, Jehovah... Uh, God provides. He is the provider. Jehovah Jireh, He is the provider. So he would see Him as that. When God would heal, He would Jehovah Rapha. So they would give Him the name as Healer. When it was His banner that they walked under, or His righteousness, they would give Him the names. Elohim, the, the Mighty One. They, they would give names. Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. In other words, when God would reveal Himself, they would say, oh, that's another characteristic of God in, in, in me understanding who He is. So it was like the blind men, they, they, it was hard to get this whole concept of who God is. And when Genesis was written, okay, just understand this, when Moses wrote Genesis, okay, Moses wrote the first five books, so it's called the Pentateuch. He wrote those, and the first book was Genesis. The reasoning, see, the, the Scriptures don't tell us so much in how as they tell us who and why. So if somebody wants to know exactly how God did all of creation in six days and then rested on the seventh, the Scriptures don't really tell you. Because the reason that Moses wrote that in the first place is because the people were turning to fertility gods and goddesses, and they were false gods, these pagan gods that people had, had adhered to. And so what Moses did is God inspired him by the Holy Spirit to write Genesis is to tell you, listen, no, there is one God. He is before all in the beginning. This is God, and this is who He is. And then, then we see the rest of Scriptures as it reveals out who God is. And so I want you to understand that because 
If you just start thinking, oh, there's tons of gods out there. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you there's one God. And, And the desire is for us to know Him, not just to know about Him. So turn with me, if you would, to Genesis 1-1. And then you can, if you want to, we're going to go to John 1 in just a moment, but Genesis 1-1, and then we're going to be in John 1 in just a few minutes, if you'll hang with me. Genesis 1, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What a way to begin a book, in the beginning. In the beginning, God. Now, I thought about something this week. I thought, you know, have you ever done that thing? And I thought this would be a great exercise for us. Let's start thinking back before there was anything. Before time began, what was going on? Because that's something we cannot, in our finiteness, we cannot even begin to understand that. Because God has always been. It seems like time is for our benefit. But, but, but God has always existed. And, and it's not like, oh, now time starts. Now God starts. Who created God? Well, let's go back. Who created? No, God has always existed. And from the beginning, He created and he took what was formless, and he forms, and then he fills. That's what God does. He forms, and he fills. And, and so, we, in the very beginning, preexistent, God was. And so, but but here's what I want you to, to uh, uh, understand, because I am concerned that because people do not have an adequate view of God, who He is from the beginning, we decide to define God. Hear me in our own image. People today don't want to accept the holiness of God and who He truly is. So what do we do? We create God in our own image. God is, people would say, oh, God is benevolence. He would never let bad things happen. Or God is inclusive. He would never be exclusive. There's no way that somebody could depart from His presence. Um, uh, we would think, oh, this is, and we love to do this one too. God created and he set everything in motion but he really isn't actively involved in what's going on today or we wouldn't have all these bad things that are going on or god does really does not see everything that i'm doing he he is not fully uh, abreast of everything i do uh, and we get these and then we start getting into this and this is something that really really bugs me i don't have a whole lot of pet peeves in lives because i'm probably one of your pet peeves but but i don't have a whole lot of them but one is this the man upstairs that one gets me uh, or higher power. That one gets me. Uh, because you see, God alone is holy and He's, and He's incredible and He's magnificent and He's awesome and He's, He's all-consuming. And, and so when we, and, and anytime, anytime someone in the scriptures would come into a, a revelation of God, you know what their first response is? Bam! How low can you go? And so when somebody thinks you can be frivolous before a holy God when we are unclean, I, I just can't see that. And so, we, we see the holiness of God. In fact, if I, if we're going to talk about some of the characteristics even out of here, but, but please understand, the first one that you've got to understand is God is holy. Holy means set apart. There's not another like. We say the Bible is what? The Holy Bible. There is not another one. That He is holy. He is set apart. There is no one else like Him. In fact, when He tells His people in Leviticus, and then we see it again in, in Peter's writings in the New Testament, 
Be holy, for I am holy. What he is saying is set apart. Don't be like the world. Don't be like everything else. Because there is but one God, and he is holy, and he is awesome, and this is who he is. And I want you to be set apart as well. There is none like him. And God is the one who formed. He is the one who is preexistent. He is one from the beginning. And you may remember this quick quiz. After God created certain things, he stood back and said, it is good. Now, good is in the is in the uh, eye of the beholder, so to speak. If I say pizza is good, if I say, man, my car is good, or my woman is good, you know, if I say these things, I'm looking at it from, from the beholder, from my perspective. You may not think pizza is good. That's sacrilegious, I would think, to, to say that. But you, you might not think that's good, or it's not good for you, you may think. And then there's other things that's not good, you know. You're, you, you know, it's just not good. And, and, uh, but it's perspective. I think it's good. You don't think it's good. If a holy, awesome, completely righteous, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God says it's good, it's good. And what that means is it, it means it's complete. It is, can be trustworthy. And listen at this. It's exactly what God intended. So when God created in the beginning, and He created, and He created, and He created, and then He created man and woman, it was good. It was created in a complete state that you could look at it and say that is the way God intended for it to be. But you and I know, and we want to blame it on Adam and Eve, but our nature is that way, that with the fall came a disjoint from God and what He has created in its perfection and you and I, from that moment on, have seen death and decay and hatred and anger and bitterness because of that human fleshliness that has separated us from the goodness of God. And we live in that kind of world. But, quick lesson, and this is I'm just going to share with you the facts because you're going to ask me to explain it, and I cannot explain what theologians and people have tried to explain for thousands of years. God has chosen, there's but one God, but He has chosen three personalities or three expressions in expressing Himself. First of all, He has chosen as Father, as Son, and then as Holy Spirit. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. We call it the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Scripture, but it's three, three ways of expression that God has used, used to express Himself. And, and say, well, Mark, what is it? Is there certain pictures that you can use? Listen, any picture is going to fall short. People have tried to use like the egg. It's got the white. It's got the, it's got the shell. It's got the white. It's got the yolk. Three in one. It, it, people have tried to use water. How about that one? You've got ice. You've got steam. And then you've got the liquid portion. So maybe that's a way to describe the different expressions. Or a human being. I am a man. I am a husband. I am also a dad. So that's three in one. All of these, I'm telling you, fall short of us beginning to understand. But let me tell you, I want you to hear this. In fact, I wrote down my thoughts just so that you would hear what I'm saying here. When you think that God is infinite and all-powerful, it does not bother me to see the mystery of God. If I can define all there is about Him, then God is too small. I can handle the mystery of God. The person that comes and says, God told me this and God told me that, and, and it's something that's kind of, of the Word of God, or they told me something about God, I can understand and I can handle the mystery of God. 
Because he's big. If, if I can explain everything about God, I've created him in my image, what I want. And listen, listen, I want you to hear this. And you've got to hear this because this is hard to grab. If God was even uh, indifferent towards me and he said, this is the way it is supposed to be, Mark. This is the way you're supposed to live. I should still abide by that because he is God. But God, his character is not one of indifference. And so if I can just accept it because he is God with the mystery that is there, I need to. And, and let me just share with you some of the characteristics of God. And I, and I don't need to share these. I mean, you could go around this room. In fact, Pam was telling me this morning that part of her quiet time when experiencing God was just, just declaring the names of Father and who he is. And I'm thinking, man, that, that is good. But, but we know that God is creator, that he is holy, that he is timeless, that he is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, that he is present everywhere. He is the only God. He is just. He is merciful. He is grace. And he is love. God is love. And, and, and we see his character and we, he is trustworthy. And the problem is, is that many of you today have had your trust or broken. And, and, uh, and I know many of that has to do with earthly fathers give that initial picture of the heavenly father and man that is pressure and and for dads that have disappeared or there's brokenness of trust we see that and sometimes that translates in to god but uh, and some of you are angry with god today because god didn't come through the way you thought or you're disappointed with god because he didn't come through the way you thought or or man where was god when this was going on I, i want you to know that god is at work today and and people want to know what is god doing today well i want you to turn with me now to john chapter one Because I've already said that man's sin brought separation from the goodness of God. Along with that came separation and decay and hatred and abuse of the creation. So God took the initiative. And this is what God did. John 1.1. I'm going to read 14 verses, so hang with me and, and mark certain things. In the beginning was the Word. The word, the capital W, it's the expression of God. And we know as we study through this that that's referring to Jesus, His expression to us so that we can understand. You see, ultimately, God the Father, we can hear about, we can experience that, but we, don't, we, don't, we can't completely grasp it. God the Holy Spirit, we're thinking, okay, He indwells me, but that's a hard thing for me. It's, it's kind of mystical for me to understand. But God the Son, we understand. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, we're talking about through Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. So I told you that what God created was perfect, good, complete. Sin came there was the, the imperfection of, of what came into being, and darkness prevailed. God cracked through that veil of darkness by sending Jesus Christ as the light into the world. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. If you read the rest of the New Testament, he, he, you may, he may go by John the Baptist, you may see there. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. In other words, Jesus came to earth, and, through the, the, and though the world was made through him, 
The world did not recognize Him or, or acknowledge Him or perceive Him. Verse 11, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Now verse 12 is worth underlining or highlighting or whatever memorizing. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The literal translation of that, it's a beautiful picture in the Greek, is that made His dwelling was the picture of the tabernacle tent being set up. In other words, He pitched His tent among mankind to live with us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Go back to verse 12, just a minute. I want you to see this. Yet to all who did receive Him. What does the word receive mean? Because many times we say, have you received Jesus as your Savior? It means that we drew close, we welcomed Him, we believed in Him, and we believed in His name and who He was. It says He gave the right. That means the authority, the power, the opportunity, the privilege to become children of God. You see, we were all separated from God. Seven billion people on this planet, seven billion people separated from God. However, he says to as many as received him, to believe on his name, he gave the privilege, he gave the right to become children of God. Many of you have made that decision in this room. You, you believe it. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came as God in the flesh and gave His life as a ransom for me because I was lost and separated from God because of the sin in my own life. Jesus Christ came. He gave me the right, the privilege, as I receive Him, as I believe and obey Him, as I follow after Him, I have the right to become a child of God. Now, you can look at the person next to you and say, you can become a child of God. You can just tell them that because that's the truth of what God's Word says right here, and God displayed Himself to mankind in this way. So, what is God doing today? And this is where Scripture comes in. This is why God even led, led Moses to write Genesis, and God led John to write John, and the other books in the Bible. God set up a redemptive plan for mankind, for all of mankind. And I know many people have tried religion. I mean, that's why there's many false religions today. And many people say there's many ways to God. I wish I could say that. I wish I could stand up here and say, listen, there's many ways to God. And if you just try, He's going to take you. Okay? Just try. Do your best. Moral deism. If your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, He's obligated to take you. I want to say that so bad. Because I love you and I, and I want to make it easy for you. I really do. I, really, I can stand up here and tell everybody, hey, it's, it's easy. It's easy. I want you to know you're dead in your trespasses and sin apart from Jesus Christ. You, you are. I, I mean, I, I want to gloss over it so much, but I can't. I know what God has done. I know His perfection that He created. And I know the sinfulness of my own heart. And if I know that Jesus Christ is not the answer, I don't have a chance. Many religions think, I'll just kill everybody else and we'll just absorb them into the Borg and they can be like us, only to make them as fit for hell as anything. I'm telling you, God is in the redemptive plan of mankind. I, I, I want to give you three so what's 
right quick, if I could. And these are just ways of taking these things and, and taking them home with you that you can apply and discuss them with others. Number one is this. It's simple. There is one God who has revealed himself in three expressions, and he is restoring his fallen creation. One God, the creator God, the one who is holy, the one who is just, the one who is, who is almighty, the one who, is, who, who you cannot escape. And I, and I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Mark, but is he trustworthy? He is trustworthy. I know some of you are disappointed today in him. You seem to be angry. You're thinking, can he be trusted? I want you to know he's fully trustworthy. The second thought is this. His ultimate expression was through the Son, Jesus Christ, and through Jesus we can be restored. His ultimate expression was through Jesus Christ. That was the way we could understand. If I get up here and just talk about God as Father, you're thinking, okay, does that mean he's distant, he's out there, he's in a rocking chair, he's... Or is he, was he like my earthly dad who's waiting for me to screw up so he can whoop me with his belt? Or, or what is he like you know, when I say father? But if I say he's spirit, you're thinking, okay, it's mystical. It's, it's something, uh, something I'm not sure I had to grab that and hang on to that. But when I say that God became flesh and he dwelt among us and you can know him through that. You look, and Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the father. And so we can see it expressed out and we see the incredible love of Jesus for mankind and how through the cross we can be restored. And then number three is this. We find our meaning to life when we make much of Him and He receives glory. Now I know that's hard to understand, but, but you know, John even said that we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. We saw His glory and we find that we have, our life makes meaning when we reflect that glory, and we'll talk about the humanity in upcoming weeks, but, but we see that we find our meaning to life when we give glory back to Him. That's what we were created for. And yet our fallenness, we think the world revolves around us, and it's all about me, and what can I get, and what can I get, and what can I get, instead of saying, okay, God, how can I give glory back to You as my Creator? We find our meaning to life when we make much of Him, and He receives glory. I don't know what kind of view you have of God today. And I don't even know if this helps, to be honest with you. I'm just giving you what the Scripture lays out is that there's one God and He has chosen in His great way of revelation to express Himself in three ways to mankind. There's not three gods. There's one God. Here's, here's how we give God glory. And I want, I want, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. How we act does not so much show the world God as much as how we react. It's not so much in how we act, but how we react. I'm telling you what, you're acting great today. You came to church. You're good. I mean, you're acting real good. You got dressed up. You probably haven't had too big a run-in with your family yet, or you may have, but you, you're going to make up. I mean, you're acting good. And, and, and you're going to act good the rest of the day. And you're going you're gonna, to, we went to church today. We're, we're acting good. And we're going we're gonna to do the appropriate thing. We're going to put the appropriate things in front of our eyes. And we're going to be the, the best we can be. And, and, uh, and we're going to be good. I want you to know 
you can come here every Sunday and come to church and not even know God. By the, but we want to act good. But you want to know how, what you're really made of? When you're squeezed and how you react. Because this world is going to squeeze you at some time. And some of you are disappointed in God right now because He didn't come through the way you thought He should come through. I mean, and, and, and you had somebody close to you die or there was a, somebody close to you that wandered away from good things and is now doing bad things or, or whatever. And you may be thinking, God, you've disappointed me in this, but I want you to know it's not how you act, but it's how you react that shows and gives glory to God. Let me give you a picture. Two weeks ago, basically, to today, uh, Jess and Nicole Stevens, who, who man, it's a great story of redemptive work in, in Jess's life, and he met Nicole here, and they got married, and they now live in Lock, Lockhart, and they're, they're raising their family there, serving the Lord. Jess actually is, has taken many groups into um, Haiti and still does that, and, and it just, it's been a neat thing to see what they're doing. And, and uh, their second child, six months old, Two, two weeks ago on Sunday uh, in the evening, uh, RSV set in and some, some really terrible breathing issues set in for this little one. They took him to the hospital there in Lockhart and they said, no, we're going to have to, or they went to San Marcos and then they said, we've got to care flight him into Dell Children's. This is, this is critical. Not sure what's going to happen here. And so they care flight little Alton into Dell Children's. And uh, many of us, many of you can, started praying. We just started praying, God, spare him. And, and they weren't sure. He coded out at one time, and, and they, they weren't sure the doctor would come in and give them some hope and then come back and say, but I don't know. And, and they were writing, writing this, is Alton ever going to go home? Is he going to die or is he going to make it? And they're up and down, up and down, and up and down in everything they're hearing. And this was beautiful to hear from, from uh, Nicole because she said her and Jess went into the chapel and as they're caught up in this roller coaster, you can just imagine. Some of you have been there, caught up in this roller coaster of not knowing what's going to happen. There in the midst of that chapel, through tears they prayed and they came to this conclusion. God, we put our trust in you no matter what the outcome is. And when Nicole said that to me, I said, that's what brings God glory. You see, the world doesn't want to know that we're good and we act a certain way, they want to know how do you respond when you get cancer? How do you respond when your kid is rebelling? How do you respond when you lose your job? See, it's not in the act, it's in the react that we give glory to God. That's when we see what we really believe. And that's what shows glory to a God in our day. And let me tell you, He uses that glory to bring other people to Himself. Some of you are going through stuff today. I mean, you're going through it. And you're thinking, where is God? I want you to know He's right in the middle of it. He is right there. And some of you just need to know that today. And how are you going to respond? God, if we win, we praise You. If we lose, we praise You. If you come through here like I want you to come through, and I really want this because it would make me feel better, then God, that's great. But if not, you're still God. You're still God. And that's, 
that's, that's not easy to walk. But I, I want you to know this. He is completely trustworthy. Completely trustworthy. But Mark, he doesn't come through the way I want to. Listen, I pray he does not come through the way I want him to most of the time. So if you're going through anger with God today, He's big enough to handle your anger. But I want you to know, He loves you immensely. Let's pray. God, gosh, Lord, just to say that word, that I have the privilege as a child of Yours to pray and know that You hear and know that you give me breath and heartbeat and purpose. Lord, I know in my mind that I've just laid out a faith approach to you today. It's not gonna not gonna do much in the arguments of the annals of history, but it is your truth. And Lord Today, we want to know You more. Lord, we want to confess openly that You already know. But Lord, You're waiting. You're waiting. You're patiently waiting. Lord, thank You for not giving us what we deserve. But You're patiently waiting. And Lord, through the perfection of Jesus Christ, that one day we will stand in front of You and You will say, this is My servant whom I'm well pleasing. It's like You're saying about Your creation again, He's good, she's good, she's complete. But Lord, maybe, maybe God, Holy Spirit, can You come and just bring Your conviction to those that need it today? Bring Your peace to those that need it? Bring comfort? Lord, I know that many in this room are praying for some wandering ones to come back or sick ones to get healed. And Lord, we we want this so desperately and you allow us to cry out. But Lord, in the meantime, we will trust you. We will trust you. God, you, you, you are our foundation. All the rest of the world is sinking sand, but Lord, you are our firm foundation. And we will build upon you, Lord. Even in a day which our worldview is getting questioned, our faith is being questioned, Jesus is being mocked, your truths are being mocked, your morality is being mocked, God, we will still stand on you. And we will love with the love of Jesus. So Lord, speak to us now. Help us to respond as you're speaking to us now.